0: Hi, my name is Dan Ariely and welcome to Arming the Donkeys, a weekly podcast about science. Every week I will talk to one researcher about one project. We'll have a chat about what they found and what it means for our lives.
1: Dan's guest this week is Sarah Heller, a graduate student in socio-cultural and psychological anthropology at UCLA. Dan and Sarah
0: discuss her research on the Burning Man Festival. So, we're sitting here. Where are we?
1: We are in Claremont, California.
0: Claremont, Claremont, California, and I'm sitting with?
1: Megan Heller. And what do you do? I'm an anthropologist.
0: Ooh, are you one of those people who kind of stand up and read your speeches in front of big audiences?
1: (laughs) I do. I like to read my papers. I'm very precise in my language.
0: Okay, and what, what do you work on?
1: I study Burning Man, which is a big festival that happens in Nevada each summer.
0: And what happens in Burning Man?
1: Well, whatever you want, really. Uh, it's, it's the size of a small city. About 50,000 people go each year, and they represent all sorts of strange underground movements and, and countercultural fads, and um, also a lot of very ordinary people just trying to get away for the week.
0: And we met in Burning Man maybe five years ago, and you were much more dusty, if I remember correctly.
1: <laughs> yes, I was very dusty. And back then, I was also working on the Black Rock census, and uh-huh. so that's how we met.
0: So um, Burning Man has lots of dust, very hot. People do all kinds of strange stuff, and, and you're interested in how he changes their lives afterward, right? Yeah. And do you think that people go to Burning Man with the intention of doing something to change their life, or it's an unexpected consequence?
1: I think both things happen. I think that people do go out there on a kind of pilgrimage to have an experience, whether or not they have a specific transformation in mind that they want to achieve. At the very least, they want to have a meaningful experience that they can bring home with them.
0: So, for example, from the census data, do you see any peaks of people who are kind of around transformational ages are more likely to go, people who are in midlife <clears throat> getting closer to midlife or people who are just out of college? Do you see kind of peaks in the f- frequency of people attending, maybe seeking some answer to what to do next?
1: I definitely think the, the mean is in uh, the mid-30s, but there's a large range of people from um, senior citizens to the young children who attend. So any type of person may go. I actually think it's there's surprisingly few people in their uh 20 in the in the 18 to 22 year range but that's probably because uh, most universities are are starting their first week of school that week and so that that age range is, is sort of underrepresented
0: if they don't think it's worthwhile to spend a week out of school on Burning Man, they they don't really understand anything, right?
1: <laughs> yes, a few of them do think it's worthwhile, and they make the journey despite yeah. the costs involved.
0: So you so you basically followed people for a year, uh, interviewed them once once a month, and what did what did you what's your first impression of the data? I know you didn't finish analyzing it, or what what do you feel? Are people really getting kind of a transformation? Do it affect their life when they come back, or are they just? coming back home and they sink to LA and get back to the usual work?
1: I think that people who I've been interviewing are among the most enthusiastic of the people who go to Burning Man because they really want to get involved in this research project and share their experiences with me. And they think they're important enough for somebody to write a PhD dissertation (laughs) on. And um, those people, as well as everyone else I've met through Burning Man, I do think I call Burning Man a sacred playground. That's sort of the working title right now of my dissertation because I think it's a place where people can go and play for at least a week. maybe learn to become better players or at least get a break from their life which may not have as much play in it as they'd like.
0: And you don't mean play like uh, soccer or football, you mean kind of (laughs) in a broader sense of trying new things Mm -hmm. and exploring new horizons and adventures?
1: Yeah, I mean playground much like we talk about children playing on a playground. I think adults also enjoy free play where play is not predetermined like it might be at a casino or a bar or a club where adults are confined to one type of play and they don't have opportunities to try new things. Whereas children on a playground there's very minimal structure on a playground and what people can come up with, children or adults can really shape um, their experience. So a lot of people's experience is determined by what they bring to the playground as Mm -hmm. much as what they find there.
0: So if we go back to Burning Man, so, so I like the metaphor of Burning Man being a playground and it creates some kind of structure, mm-hmm. and then you can you can do with it whatever, within it whatever you want. What would you do to Burning Man to change it, to make it a more successful playground? For example, let's talk about dust. <laughs> uh, is the dust helpful or not?
1: Actually, I do think the dust is helpful. In a lot of ways, I think the dust sort of levels the playground a bit,
0: <laughs> yeah. sort of,
1: makes people more humble (laughs) because it's so it's so insidious it it can really spoil some people's experiences if they're not prepared to get a little dirty you should get a little dirty on the (laughs) playground you know it shouldn't be a a it's also it's
0: also a great equalizer right all of a sudden everybody's the same nobody can dress up fancy the moment you're covered with dust there's not that much Mm -hmm. uh, that much Mm -hmm. going on and Mm -hmm. and you can't really spend much time caring about how you look like
1: yeah if you take a shower about five minutes (laughs) later all your work is gone but you might feel a little bit better
0: so you would keep the dust
1: i would keep the dust i would definitely keep the dust
0: we shouldn't shouldn't move to like a beautiful park with grass and a lake not the same
1: no, I don't think it would be the same. I think there should be some challenges on our playground. There should definitely be some, some obstacles to overcome. And the climate, the heat, the cold at night, the dust <coughs> all the time, these are, these are helpful in order to help people um, come together to, to, to overcome these difficulties uh-huh. or at least look inside themselves at how they um, ordinarily cope with difficulties and see if they can... Try new, new ways of, of coping. <clears throat>
0: okay. Any other things? That you, anything that you would change that you would make it? Would you make it harder? Would you make more dust?
1: I <laughs> <laughs> No, I think it's hard enough. <laughs> I definitely think it's hard enough. Um, and I also like that it's a, it's a long journey, so I wouldn't make it any closer to any major cities. I think I would, I think I do have an issue with some of the police presence that's there. I actually, I think that we do need um, to have um, some police there to deal with difficult situations when they arise. But I think that um, the Black Rock Rangers, the, the group of people who um, are part of the community who deal with a lot of the conflicts that come up, they, they do a really great job sort yep. of self-monitoring the community. And I think that... Um, um, when the police get too hands-on, that sort of... You mean s- the external police? The external police. So there's the sheriffs and the park rangers who drive around and, and sometimes um, interact directly with participants. Um, and there's also undercover police officers. I think especially the undercover police officers erode some of the um, trust that the yeah. community has worked so hard to establish there. And yeah, it so- also
0: changes the, the, the drug scene a little bit
1: yeah it makes it it makes people less trusting of one another and i think that that's a really important part of what actually keeps the event peaceful is that people trust one another they're looking out for one another when they start to think that maybe the person they're talking to is out to get them or find find out about them in a in a less um, benign way i do think that erodes a little bit of the actually the public safety
0: yeah that's interesting Uh, what about size keep it
1: I like the size the way it is. Yeah, I don't know if they, what I would do if it grew too much bigger. If I would actively try not to, I'm hoping that it will just on its own not grow too fast because I think it, it could, it it wouldn't want it to get much more crowded than it is.
0: Okay, so thanks also uh, keeping the dust, keeping the dust, getting rid of the police.
1: (laughs) (laughs) How about getting rid of the undercover police?
0: Okay, getting rid of the undercover police, uh, keeping the party parties. That's good, the right?
1: The are good. They're another challenge. Another challenge.
0: <laughs> very good. So uh, good luck in your dissertation. You. I'm looking Thank forward to reading much. it.
1: This has been Arming the Donkeys, a weekly podcast with Duke University behavioral economist Dan Ariely. Dan's latest book is The
0: Upside of Irrationality. Learn more at predictablyirrational.com.